We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. All right, Sam, if you found $100 on the street, would you pick it up? Or would you keep walking? I know you're going to pick it up. Of course you take the money. So why do you keep picking winners and not betting on them? That's why I go to my bookie. It's fast, it's easy, and they pay when you win. I actually won some money last week. Uh, um, bet on the Niners. Let's face it, where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on. Do the smart thing. If you're going to bet this football season, bet with my bookie. Did you know you can bet on games after halftime? So if by the second half, it looks like your bet is going to lose... Or the Raiders, if you know that they're up 10-0, you know they're going to lose. You just bet on the Chiefs. You can always just take the other side. If you're the kind of guy that likes to bet a little and win a lot, try a parlay. If all your picks come through, you'll multiply your winnings. And no matter how you bet, the NFL season is the best time of the year. Join now. My bookie will double your first deposit. So use promo code BLUEWIRE to activate the offer. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, and you get paid. It's it's pretty hilarious to me how much um, Laker Twitter gets upset by us, and then um, but at the same time tries to copy us. Like, have you noticed over the last like year? It's like there's so many people who get irritated by us, but like completely try to copy our our jokes. But like, it's like one percent. Maybe like a two percent knockoff. Like it's not even close to as good. God, I hope you're recording this. <laughs> it's true. It's true. I think she told us one time, and I just start laughing because, dude, if you're gonna get pissed, you might as well just be pissed and let it. Let me just get pissed. But yeah, I mean, they start making the same jokes, right? That's the best part. <laughs> like they start like roasting Steph or like kind of saying the same shit. I'm just like, dude, like find your own shtick, man. We've cornered the market on this stick already, Sam. That's what me and you are here for. You know. Well, it's just it's just not authentic. When someone else is trying to do someone else's thing, you're like, "Come on, man!" It's like it's like the same reason 
people watch the same like five stand-up comedians you know anyway i don't know what i'm going on about now now i'm just calling calling us like seinfeld and Chappelle or something uh, like, <laughs> we are uh, yeah we're, we're revolutionaries <laughs> we we've done what's never been right, done we'll, before all right we'll, we'll um we'll, we'll get the pod going <laughs> start today where do we start oh. steph curry did he say something today i was <laughs> so i woke up this morning um like 7 a.m usual time and no less than five minutes later you shoot me a text going oh thank god for steph and i can and i read that and i was like oh boy what happened and i saw the quotes and i saw what was written and i immediately said Phew. That's about as, I think you could say, direct as Steph has been through media probably ever. It still wasn't even that direct, but yeah. For him to say that, so Kevin Durant had a quote um, a few, uh, was it last week? That said, like, we discussed it last week and he was saying like, hey, uh, something about the warrior system, it, it caps out, you know, we want more ISO. And so Rachel Nichols did a one-on-one with Steph Curry today and essentially asked him to comment on that. And Steph said, I mean, it can be, but at the end of the day, it's about winning championships and we're happy that we won two championships. Come on. Steph would never, Steph would never says anything like that. Yeah. So that was what was, what was shocking to me and entertaining. Love the game. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, I mean, he was... You know, it was a uh, jarring to me. It's just like he, well, he just played it off. I don't think he really cared at all. He's just like, the only thing that matters is the pursuit of winning. You know, you can do whatever you want off the court as long as you're authentically trying to win. But if everything's about your numbers and showing out, you don't really care about winning. You're just using basketball as an avenue to market. And that's. That's where the true love of the game, love of the fame comes. Because every player is trying to market themselves off the court. And they do interviews with magazines about their business empire and all this stuff. But not every player is out there manipulating the game for their numbers. Not every player is making conscious choices to not try on defense so they can save their energy to get their numbers. That's love of the fame. Yeah, I mean, let's look at let's look at James Harden. It's literally the literally the easiest example. He's in media for the past month talking about, hey, you know, I Giannis did this, this, and this. My numbers are this. You know, I should have won champ. Or, or sorry, I should have won the MVP. Um, meanwhile, what are we talking Gian- about meanwhile Giannis on the other hand says, I don't want you to call me the MVP because the new season started and I'm no longer the MVP. <laughs> He's like, and all I'm focused on is winning a championship. And let's be real here. Giannis, like Steph, like every other player, would like to win the MVP because it's, you know. Sure, yeah, right. Right, but like, I think Steph put it, he said, the goal is winning championships and everything else falls into place after that. And I thought that was the most telling part of his quote. He says, hey, man, if we just win, you get the respect, you get everything. It comes to you long term, you know. Instead of 
trying to manipulate it and move the goalposts and claim you're the GOAT because you've decided that your championship's worth 7.8 championships on the scale of importance for championships. And, um, you know, just like it's not an authentic pursuit of the game. You're trying to trade teammates to get you teammates who make yourself look better. And it's just, I mean, just play the game, right? (laughs) Oh, you're on a roll today. Oh, this is a a fire start. Um, I I agree on all fronts. The issue issue here um, is, or what I'm curious about is what Kevin Durant thinks about all of this. I wish we had... And maybe it won't happen for a while, maybe when they retire. But I would like to get his thoughts on what Steph had to say. I'd be very curious to see, like, what does Kevin Durant think? Is this kind of a veiled shot at KD and why he left? Or does KD just not care? Although I doubt that he doesn't care about what Steph said. Um, But it's interesting because it takes a look behind, uh, I think, the Warriors and what they were as a team last season. Um, They were unhappy, right? I think... Uh, Draymond was unhappy. Kevin Durant was for sure was unhappy. Unhappy. You got the rest of the team there. Clay Thompson. I mean, um, I I feel like um, that's it. That's how it feels when these comments come out or these quotes. Yeah, come out. I, I mean, I've always kind of took the standpoint that they kind of got bored. That you know, whether any of them will admit it or not, and this is just my opinion, they got bored of the process. They they basically had the greatest playoff run in KD's first year. Like, that was the apex of basketball, right? And then I think dudes just kind of tried less and less in the regular season. Like, every team hits a peak, and it's very hard to get back to that peak, you know? Like, we saw it with Draymond. Let's go to Draymond. Draymond was out of shape for two and a half years. You know what I'm saying? It's not like he was playing with that 2016 fire. And yeah. some of it was injuries, but some of it was also him like, man, I don't need to kill myself in January because I need to have my legs in May and June. Yeah. So I, I think it's I think it's everything. I think they they essentially peaked. I don't want to say peaked too early, but they peaked in year one. And it's pretty obvious why. Like the guys who were there before KD, they should have won the title the year before they lost. So they had that like added fire and they had KD who was coming in and he's like, I want to prove to people I made the right decision. So like the combined of that with like all that talent was like, you're never going to beat that. No, I, I mean, I think that I don't know if about peaking kind of physically, I think mentally it was just, Oh yeah, definitely mentally. Like I'm saying the mental, or bleeds into the physical over time. I fucking, you know, it, it irks me that a lot of this was so much like you put the Warriors in the 1990s when I was no years old, you know. You put the Warriors in the oh, 1990s. You don't watch 90s basketball. They used to they nope. used to they used to have um grenade launchers on the court. Dudes would die <laughs> mid game. Yeah, yeah. There were uh, uh shotguns everywhere. But like you put the Warriors in the 90s and how teams were covered. I bet you they win the. I bet you. Well, actually, they probably would have won a three peat regardless if Kevin Durant was healthy or Clay was healthy. But like, I think this team would have stayed together. That's what frustrates me. Um, is because if you put this team back then and you didn't have all the bullshit noise that's coming from media every day, you mean and then like you, you did, and me on online? It, well, yes. <laughs> no, absolutely. You and I. Yes, but but if it isn't you and me, it's four billion other people. Exactly, and then but here's the thing, and then you have the players that 
are essentially grown up in that era of, hey, we'd listen to you and I, right? You'd be surprised. You wouldn't be surprised, but I'm saying the listeners would be surprised at how many people do know who we are and may listen to the podcast or read our tweets, right? Um, not saying that has an impact, but I'm saying like people who, who shouldn't care what Andy has to says ha- has to say sees it, right? And and that's not really a good thing. And I think that attributes to I you know th- partly the reason why why they were unhappy and, and ended up breaking up because I don't think this team in the '90s breaks up. I think they stay together and they keep winning championships. Yeah, I, d- I think it definitely speeds up the timeline. Like it, I can't see a team staying together for eight you know you know eight to ten years like you used to see in the 80s 90s and early 00s anymore like there's too much social media there's too much Mm -hmm. there's too much noise everywhere and guys get bored and it's like a team now has like a three to four year cycle and then it has to be replenished one guy wants to move another guy you know because it's like in the old days you check the newspaper and there'd be like Tim Kawakami wrote a column and it's like, Oh, you know, how could Kawakami yeah. say that about me? Now it's like I log on to my phone and 4,000 people are saying that to me. So it just speeds up the cycle. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. And, and like, we wouldn't know about like, we wouldn't know about Draymond and, and KD incident until the day after. And now it's like, we're getting, we're getting play by play breakdown via tweets as it happens. Right. And that's the type of shit where like, you know how frustrated KD gets when he heard about that. You know how frustrated Draymond got and, and, and this team. And it's like it, it was kind of, it was serious, but they kind of patched it up through the season. But it also kind of kept getting played through the season as something that was the yeah. reason why KD left it. I, I mean, you can't know. turn your TV on and, and not have you know every sports channel talking about it every day. Back in those days, like there was ESPN, and ESPN showed games. I mean, granted, it showed like Little League World Series and stuff like that, like all day, but they had like Sports Center. You know, they had like one or two shows that did highlights and commentary. They didn't have 24 hours of it, let alone like eight, you know, like ESPN 2, ESPN News, Fox Sports yeah. 1, MS, you know, like it, there's like so much. Well, it's the just- NBA is also covered differently, right? From yeah. the way it was. I don't know if we've ever mentioned this on the podcast, but it, it just feels like. It just feels like the NBA is covered differently than from when I grew up, um, where like I was watching with my my dad and my friends, and we would just be watching it for basketball, and there was no Twitter, right? So we'd go online and we'd read articles and things like that. It'd always be about hoops. And now that I'm, you know, kind of been covering the team and been with with the team for so long, it's you look at the league and my God, dude. I, I, this off season, Sam, like since the Raptors won the championship, how much basketball? has actually been talked about, you think, in like Twitter or, you know, the jump or, you know, NBA TV. Like how much basketball basketball has been And by the way, when it is talked about, it isn't actually talked about. It's like Lakers have these stars. Clippers have these stars. Warriors have these stars. You know, it's just like it's literally talked about like it's a cast system. It's like there's two guys and just a bunch of random surfs, you know, when like that's not hoops. It, but that's like really how it's discussed. Like, I mean, we're gonna do the Pacific Division preview at some point on this pod. Uh, but like, the way teams are talked about, it's like you'd think it was just Kawhi and Paul George playing LeBron and AD two on two with no mm-hmm. context for the rest of the players, the way they all work together. I mean, it's 
It's, it's yeah. just um and maybe maybe that's just cuz it's like July and August and whatever. No. But. No, you're you're right though because I mean Donovan Mitchell tweeted something today where, you know, some some random account says, you know, he's posted a video of LeBron leading a team to the finals basically insinuating that the players are trash. Donovan Mitchell tweets, "Yo, you got to stop disrespecting NBA players. It's out of hand." And it's like he puts the you know oh, smiling oh, was, face um, emojis. I saw, I saw that it was um like LeBron took these guys yeah. to the finals. <laughs> it's like, I mean, I do get the point. Like that wasn't a good, a strong supporting cast. But like, you're making it sound like LeBron's teammates are like you, me, KJ, and I don't know, like um, Joel. <laughs> Bruce, yeah, producer, exactly. Producer Ben. Yeah. But that that's but like that's the essence of the problem here is. Like I look at and like you, you brought this to life. That's, you know, that's the uh, essence of player empowerment. It's just superstar it, empowerment. Well, it's it's just basketball and football is different. But I look at football and I'm watching it every Sunday, and it, the it way they the cover it. Good again. What's that? You yeah, that's, 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 yeah that is. I mean, that is fucking true. Uh, and also my bookie. You know, we just did a read, so also my bookie. That's why I do it. Um, but like they talk about the team, they talk about every player, they break down like. Um, you know, routes, they break down play, whatever they do. All yeah, they get, the they get like, incredibly granular on it, which, sure. which you can do with hoops, yeah. which you could do with hoops. I mean, dunked on does a great job of it, but it's like dunked on is a niche podcast. It's not like it's NFL. They do it like national. Right. So it's like, and, and so I watch it. I'm like, okay, so I watch, I look at basketball. I look at the, the breakdown, like you just said, where they just break down like one player. And then they're like, well, is Kevin Love good enough? Or is he a scrub? Because is LeBron's teammates good enough? Like, this is nonstop bullshit like that. Instead of like, hey, what can LeBron do here to make Kevin Love better? Does he need to or, sacrifice? Or him? a better, yeah, it's like, what can the team do to get the most out of their collective talent instead of does he have enough help? Because <laughs> the dude's, like, in, in your case, the dude's the most versatile player of all time. And I don't see a lot of versatility over the last five years. I see a lot of guys sacrificing so he can play the most preferred role he wants. Yeah, whatever role gets him the most numbers and in a very weak Eastern Conference gets him to the finals, and that's his championship. Yeah. Anyway, um, it's refreshing to hear Steph talk about basketball as a team sport because sometimes you forget it is a team sport. How, how, how good do you think he is this season? Um, Steph? Yeah. Like you think he's 2015, what, 16, Steph? What, take a guess what Steph averaged in the 12 games, Katie, or 11 games, Katie missed in the playoffs. Uh, just points. Just, just give me a line. I would say like 28, six and five 33 six and six and that's in the playoffs against houston okay portland's not great and then against toronto shout out box and one yeah um but like obviously we we know that's a higher level of intensity than you'll see in the regular season and you know there's no amount of anything the league can do that's going to ever make the regular season comparable to postseason in any sport right yeah but I mean, I'm just, I'm just making the point. He's very capable of. I don't think he'll put up those numbers. I don't think Kerr's going to play him high thirties, high that's right. minutes. But it'll. Be, I mean, he should average around thirty. He'll probably get five to six assists, probably about five rebounds. Um, 
And, you know, the ancillary numbers will largely be dictated on role. I kind of think he's going to play more off ball yeah. than you do just because, like, he's better off ball than D'Lo. Yeah. I mean, role is a big one. I think we talk about that one a lot. It's just, look, man, if, if Steph wanted to average 35 points, eight assists, and six rebounds in, like, 36 minutes, like, he could. He could just do the dribble, 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 shoot a bunch of shots. Be, he is the greatest shooter of all time. He'd still be efficient. But like you're saying, there are times where Steph Curry should be playing off the ball because it actually helps the team win and makes everybody around him better so that when it comes to crunch time... Oh, and time, this is another part of the context that it, it irks me. When Steph has a bad game off ball, it usually manifests it in him not getting enough shots up and never getting into a rhythm. Um, I don't think that's any worse than a game where you shoot a bunch and miss. Well, I disagree with that one. Go explain. Cause yeah, I, I mean, I, I, a bad, a bad game is a bad game, but my point is like, you have to look at it in the context of what he was trying to do. Yeah. I, I, I just, I, I'm with KD on this piece where it's where this part where it's like, Hey, if he's going to have a bad game, uh, you go down with your best player shooting, right? That's, that's how I would feel. Hey, I saw Steph, Maybe he's one for 10. He's out of rhythm. Fuck it. Run, pick, and roll and just have him chuck up 20 shots. Because to me, that's always going to be better than relying in the postseason, in the postseason, relying on Sean Livingston. And God bless Sean Livingston, uh, who's retired now. But I, I don't want to see anybody else with the ball in those situations. I don't care how Steph is shooting. Uh, give him the ball and let him shoot out of that. Because, again, in the postseason, it's harder for him to get the ball. It's harder for him to get in rhythm. And if you're okay with him, you know, playing off the ball and out of rhythm, then that just makes the whole team worse. Even if it's technically supposed to make people better, I just would never want it out of Steph's hands. But so, so it's it, so it's interesting to me. I, I do agree with you. Sometimes Steph waits too long to just take the ball. Like yeah. it's it's a balancing act, in my opinion, um, and that's what makes it hard. Uh, because if you just take the ball and just dribble, 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 you you render your teammates worthless, yeah. right? James Harden, LeBron. Yep. But if you wait too long, you're also hurting your team. So it's it's always the hardest balance to figure that out. I, I keep getting drawn to this Kobe quote I heard during the 2018 finals when he was discussing kind of LeBron and stuff. He said, Phil used to say this to me a lot when I was doing a lot on the court. He'd say, you have to do less. And I'd say, well, my teammates got to step up more. And Phil would say, well, it's your responsibility to thrust the game upon them. Where you're basically saying you have to find ways to get them involved, whether it's setting a screen, passing, or moving off ball to get them going. Because you need them involved and you need to pick your spots better. And, I mean, Kobe always veered towards, like, you know, when it got tough, he just wanted to take over. And but there would be games where he would kind of like purposely take a back seat to try to get guys going, and it was kind of a weird balance thing. <laughs> I feel like Steph kind of goes too far with the trying to get teammates going. Like it's it's a very hard balance. Yeah, no, it, it's easy for like you know idiots like us that are just sitting here to, to well, kind of tell them what to do. You know, it's like I mean? it's easy to say because you're you, you you can think of the game where he kind of passes, passes, and then yeah. boom, three straight threes, and they take the lead at the end and like win. 
you know? But yeah. if it's a game where he passes, passes, and then takes the ball at the end and misses a couple of shots, then it's like, well, why didn't you just get into the game earlier? Yeah. No, yeah, that that's that's part of it as well. It's, it's Again, it's easy for us to do that, and then it's like revisionist uh, kind of analysis uh, after we you know, see him succeed or fail, right? So, yeah, no, that's true. I, I think I think the the um, uh, it's refreshing to see uh, that interview and Steph. He also in the interview said that he's going to play in the Olympics, which we did a radio show this weekend and we had Matt Kolsky on over at ninety five seven, the game, and and he was saying that he thought Steph would play in the Olympics next season or uh, next year or no two years from now. I, I forget the next summer. The years. Next summer. So, I, yeah, I mean, I'm a little surprised that he's playing. I think it's pretty cool, though. He's playing. Draymond said he's going to try to play. Uh, Damian Lillard said he's going to play. Um, yeah, Team USC is going to wipe the floor with, with the world um, uh, next summer. I mean, that's what happens, man. Like, they just need a little bit of a wake-up call. They, they put the scrubs, you know, team, team, team C or D, you know, C-level team. They take, take an ass whooping what they finished, like sixth place. And then they bring the A team and, you know, they'll beat each team by 20 again. So it's usually how it goes for Team USA. Yeah. Um, the interesting thing on Team USA is I was running through it. There are only three American stars who will be under the age of 30 next summer. One's Kawhi. And, I mean, he can't, he, he, he can't even make it through a regular season. No, no, so he's, no he's, way he's playing. One's AD. Okay, he'll play for sure. As long as he's healthy, he's for sure playing, right? Yeah. And then um, the third is Kyrie, and that's it. Every other star, like superstar you can think of is over 30. It could be LeBron, it could be Steph, but even Harden, Westbrook, KD. If you want to go to PG, Clay, all those guys are over 30. And none of the younger guys, like I think we're just kind of in this weird American era where like, it's not that they're. It's not that Bradley Beal's bad. It's not that D'Angelo Russell's bad or anything like that. It's just like none of those guys are. Superstars. Not gonna be honest. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, well, they're not Giannis. Uh, they're not Embiid, who are the yeah. two best players under twenty-five. Well, they're not Doncic. Will- honestly, in Zion Williamson, we trust. I don't know. Doncic is. You overrate Doncic. He's not. He's not there yet. He's not. I take Bradley Beal for Doncic as a player right now. Correct, uh, but but what 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 Luca did as a nineteen year old, I mean, we were fawning. Well, I was fawning over what what Tatum was doing <laughs> as a nineteen year old, which was impressive. But like, I don't know, Luca's yeah, Luca's pretty Luca's pretty special for a nineteen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Trey Young's pretty good too. That's my guy. Um, we're gonna talk. We'll, we'll talk Livingston. Let me do a couple of reads first. Um, all right, so we'll start. We got a new one, Sam. Uh, Axios, you actually uh, you put me on these guys. Um, so there are countless ways to keep up on what's happening in the world of sports. But how are you supposed to read every great article? How are you supposed to watch every awesome highlight without losing time in your busy day? Scrolling through every app and visiting every website on a daily basis is impossible. Now coming to the stage, Axios Sports. Axios Sports is a modern sports page delivered directly to your email inbox. So I get this every morning um, and I get it for, uh, for news as well. Um, each morning, you'll see the best stories from around the sports world, from the NBA, NFL, uh, niche sports like cricket and ping pong. The email newsletter highlights the most important stats and trends, giving you the ability to stay informed. Uh, super simple to sign up, sports.axios.com. Axios Sports is a clean, crisp, and gives you everything you need to know. 
can read in five minutes of the elevator or discover a deep dive article while you're on the train to work. Not only will you be caught up, you'll be the cool person sharing an amazing link with your friends and coworkers. So join the 100,000 sports fans who get caught up on the day before it even begins. And best of all, there's no paywall, no subscription fee, nothing. This is free curated sports content delivered directly to you. Do yourself and your time a favor. Sign up for the Axios Sports newsletter for free at sports.axios.com. Seriously, I subscribe to it and it makes me feel more informed without spending time clicking through websites, apps, and social media platforms. Again, try for free at sports.axios.com. All right, we got one more. Ooh, Sam, your favorite. Guys are terrible at taking care of their house. Whether it's a <laughs> whether it's a knee injury, bad back, or something worse, guys are usually more comfortable rubbing some dirt on it than seeing a doctor. I'm guilty of it myself. Wow, they really make me say that. Uh, it says here, Sam, f- please feel free to insert stories and expand on your own rub dirt in a moment. So, if you don't have anything, we'll move on. The same is true for erectile dysfunction. Studies show 70% of guys who experience ED don't get treated for it. Thankfully, Roman created an easy way to chat with a doctor online. With Roman, you can get medical care for ED, if appropriate, from the comfort and privacy of your own home. You can handle everything online in a convenient, discreet manner. Getting started is simple. Just go to getroman.com slash bluewire and complete an online visit. If your doctor decides that treatment would be appropriate, they can prescribe genuine, genuine medication that can be delivered in discreet packaging right to your door with free two-day shipping. So guys, go talk to the doctor. Erectile dysfunction can be tough to tackle, but it's really important to get checked out. With Roman, it's easy to get connected with a doctor. So go to getroman.com slash bluewire to get a free online visit, free two-day shipping. That's getroman.com slash bluewire to get started. Getroman.com slash bluewire. Sean Livingston. Sad. I'm very sad about it. It's like Andre Iguodala levels of sad. You know, it's like hit after hit this offseason. KD's gone. Andre Iguodala's traded. Uh, Sean Livingston retires. I guess you kind of saw it coming, but it hurts. You had, you had a couple good tweets. I would like you to to go yeah, over just, about. It's just end of an era, right? Yeah. I I, I don't know. Um, I don't know really how else to put it. It's just kind of like he was just. He's he's when I think of like consummate pro or like reliable or trustworthy, it's it's Sean Livingston. Like he he never played more than fifteen minutes a game off the Warriors bench. But was there ever a time he was in the game in a crucial moment you didn't trust him? I don't think like I don't think I've ever gotten frustrated watching Andre uh, watch Andre Iguodala. I could say Andre Iguodala both, too. Both, yeah. yeah. I don't think I ever got like frustrated watching them where I was like, what are you doing? Like, what the, f- like, what is going on? Right. Like, do you know how many times this season we're going to say that about like Willie Cauley Stein and, uh, you know, Glenn Robinson, Alec Burks, like these guys that they brought in. Shout Livingston. Out McKinney. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Um, but like Livingston and Iguodala, like, Oh my goodness. Like veterans never made a mistake. Super smart. Play defense. Like th- what couldn't they do? I mean, they're not going to score 30 points, not great shooters, whatever, whatever. But like there was nothing that they couldn't do right like on the court. And like you're saying in crunch time, 
that first championship, you remember that game that Sean Livingston had at the clincher? It was huge. It was huge. And that was when they signed him to the like, mid-level contract. And he was part of a closing lineup for a lot of those games, uh, for a lot of that playoff run. So, uh, yeah, I mean, hopefully he becomes like a coach or something for the Warriors or like a consultant. Yeah, no, that, that'd be great. Um, I, you look around the league and you're like, there's just not a lot of – because he was a role player, right? There's just not mm. a lot of role players who are Ooh, that repliable, point. reliable, dependable, and um, who you can just kind of trust in every situation. Like he, he was, he was a role player by nature of his role on the team and the fact that you know because of his knee, he was never going to play thirty minutes a game. Like his career had kind of gone like I'm going to be the fifteen to eighteen minute per game guy and do specific things to help the team. Um, in some ways, it reminded me of like late career Grant Hill. He was kind of the same way. Like you knew that guy could just play, but because of where he was at his career and everything, you know, he just kind of fit into this perfect role player position. Um, it's just going to be weird. Like, forget the fact that the Warriors got a bunch of young or let's just say not as high of IQ players in there mm-hmm. in that place now. Um, uh, he he was as important a piece in this five year run as any of them, right? Yeah, no, yep. He was uh, part of the defense that changed uh, the NBA. Uh, part of that switching defense that only the Warriors had two way level players or that many two. Even before KD, let's not even talk about KD. Before KD, Livingston, Harrison Barnes, Draymond Green, Clay Thompson, Andre Iguodala. That's five wing players right there. And I remember saying. Back in the day, when I used to be an actual blogger, I wrote a uh, I wrote a defensive breakdown to where I broke down how each player played defense and how it was unique uh, to the scheme. God, good times. Um, they had five people that can do that, five wings. And look at the Warriors now, right? Now the Warriors are like quote unquote maybe like a normal contending team. How many two way wings do they have? Like two, three, maybe. Like they had five. And all of them could play in crunch time. And so that was – it was incredible. And and, and it changed the league because now everybody wants those wings, right? Now now D'Angelo Russell can be traded for Robert Covington because that's how important wings are. <laughs> um, even though Robert Covington does nothing great um, in any side of the ball. So no, it's, uh, it's a great career that Livingston had after he uh, snapped his leg. Yeah, that's the wildest part. Um, just – just a great story of adversity. Like he, he had the most gruesome injury I've ever seen and to come back and have as decorated and respected a career as he had, like it's, he's one of those guys, like he's not going to go into the hall of fame, but I don't know a warrior fan. Who's not going to hold him in the highest regard. I don't know an NBA fan. Who's not going to hold him in the highest regard. Yeah. Yeah. He's like the most likable in terms of warriors. Like, Sean Livingston and Clay Thompson. Like, are there any players more likable than those two guys um, on the team? Do you think they retire his jersey? I don't know. Yeah. I think they'll do something for him. Um, yeah. I don't know how Lakeable handled jersey retirements, statues, plaques, anything like Like, we're just going to have to wait a few years to see, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, even Andre Iguodala, right? I don't know if they'll do that. They should, I mean, if I had to 
choice. I mean, this was a dynasty. They won three titles, and I mean, it's not the dynasty is technically not even over yet, so they could still win a few more. So I guess you're right. They're gonna have to wait a little bit, but um, they've got plaques now at Chase. You've been there. They got some plaques. They got some murals. Um, no statues yet, though. I think they should have opened it with a Steph statue. I think that would have been cool. <laughs> I still think they need the forty foot tall Lakeham statue. Yeah, they do. They do. They'll do. Um, by the way, they've had concerts at Chase now. Did you? Uh, they had like I, I have Metallica. not. Been. Sorry, no. Yeah, I missed. No, uh, I missed the Counting Crows, or I don't. I don't uh, know what else they have in there. Dixie but. Chicks or something. Well, they have Millennium coming through in uh, in December. So you know, if you if you want to go, um, I think it's I, I think I have something to do that weekend. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Tickets are a hundred dollars. Uh, just to get into the door. That's not even counting the $25 beers yet. So, you know, always worth it. Yeah. Good old raves. All right, let's pivot to... Um, it's how they're going to pay the luxury tax. <laughs> let's pivot to Pacific Division. The last division preview we got to do. We're not doing the East. Uh, Giannis and Embiid. We're done with the East. Okay. All right, all right, all right, all right. Well, so we'll, so we'll, we're going to do it like the other ones, which is we start the, with, with Vegas lines. So Vegas has the Clippers projected to be the best team in the division, and they have them tied with Utah and Houston for the best record in the conference. Um, Clippers, 54 and a half wins. Your thoughts? Uh, they should get there. They should get there. They should get there. I mean, given the injuries and all of that, like standard stuff, right? How much is Kawhi going to play? Is Paul George healthy? Yeah, I mean, Paul but, George is not going to open the season healthy. Like there, yeah, there's right. a he's very good for, chance he's not playing. Um, like a month, opener. you think? No one's giving timetable, but the, wow, the, the impression yeah. is he's probably not going to open the season. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know what their win total is going to be. I would not be surprised if they won like forty nine or fifty games. That would be, um, but not great. but the better question is, do you think they're the best team in the West? They are. Gun to your gun to your head. Would you bet on them to win the West? God, you're the worst. Because I think I I think I would. Yeah. I I mean they're not without yeah. their, they're not without flaws and like. The interesting thing with them is like I don't know I think Lou Williams is their best point guard like Patrick Beverly not really a facilitator Kawhi and PG not really you know it's going to be interesting because they're going to do it without like a guy who gets you six or seven assists like that's that's not Kawhi or Paul George gun gun to my head yes I mean I I, I picked the Clippers but that's only because I just don't know any of the other teams in the West. I don't, there's too many questions. They have a lot of questions too, because I'm with you. They don't have much passing. Uh, they have a guy, they have guys that, you know, are injured. Um, I also they do have step- guys who will buy into a system though. And like, I mean, doc can coach guys up. If he has guys who are coachable, he can get them into some interesting sets. And you, you know what I'm saying? That they, they won't they, be like, they're, they're not going to be a team that just runs a high pick and roll for Kawhi every play. Um, yeah, they might. Um, but also the other part of it is I think a lot of people look at the team from last year and they say, hey, we're going to insert Kawhi and Paul George, take out Danilo Gallinari um, and have everyone kind of stay the same. I don't think 
that um, someone like, you know, Lou Williams, Patrick Beverly, Lou Williams Montrez is Harrell, sneaky old. He is, I, I, he is 33. I, so there is always kind of like the will. He... I don't, I think they overachieved. That That's what I'm trying to say. I, I think people yeah. are saying. Yeah, Landry like, Shamit though. Yeah. Landry Shamit. He's a nice player. You he know is. what I mean? Like, I guess Montrez Harrell is a nice player as well, but it's like Mo Harkless. I, I, Mo Harkless. Yes. He's, talk about. He's, yeah. he's a player. Yeah. <laughs> um, Michael Green's solid, but it's like, I think that was an overachieving team. I just don't know how much you can rely on that. Um, in a I, do, series, I do like them to be the best um, playoff defense in the West. Like that team locked in can be – like Paul George and Kawhi put a little Beverly in there, a little Jermichael Green. Like that should be very good on defense. Yeah. Yeah. They should, yeah. They should be the best team in the West. But again – um, I can see the Warriors beating them. Yeah, if the Warriors are healthy. Um, I could see. I don't know about Houston, but I like the way they match up against Houston. Just they they got like three guys that can throw on Harden, Hope, and and um, Russ. They'll run out of gas, and then you know it's. I mean, I know how that dance goes. Yeah, yeah. So it should be interesting. I I and we will talk about this other team next, but. Um, we need the who's the Clippers love of the fame all star. This is a team that pretends it has no love of the fame. Well, they're that tough team, right? I mean, I think there's only I think there's only one player that you can well, there's a couple of choices, but Patrick Beverly. I think Patrick Beverly is like a really good blend of both love of the game and love of the fame. Yes. So like love of the game is like the defense that he plays. He's like all talk out there and then backs it up. He's really good. Love of the fame is he's posting videos, working out in Timberlands. Like, come on. Come on. What are we doing here? All right. Um, I'll give you that one. I'll go with that one. <laughs> it's, uh, um, he loves to he loves to project his love of the game, which makes it love of the fame. Ooh. Now that is very well said. Yes. Yes. Yeah, he tweets a lot too. I was trying to think of something for Paul George, um, but I think Paul George doesn't do much online. I think a lot of Paul George's drama and all the stuff like that was back in his, like his Indiana days. So I don't really have much for Paul George. I was trying to think of something there, but I mean beyond that, um, it can't be Kawhi. So except for except Pat for Pat. the fact that he has an uncle who makes ridiculous requests to teams. <laughs> He's an indirect love of the fame. Yeah. yeah. Um. What's his name? Uncle... Uncle Dennis. Dennis is love with me, right? There you go. On to the next one. The... Okay. Biggest love of the fame squad. Lakers or Rockets? I think it has to be the Lakers because their fan base, you know, gives it the edge. It's LA. It's Hollywood. They're unaware of the fact that their owner is the female Jim Dolan. Um, or, you know, just like six Dolan children running the team at the same time. I mean, listen, all respect to Worldwide Wob, but <laughs> what does Genie Bus do or hanging out with a Twitter gone? Like, come on, man. Do you, do you see Joe Lake up taking me and you out to dinner You know, at the, sl- <laughs> at the slanted door? Come on, man. What the fuck are we doing here? Oh, you weren't there. Oh, sorry. That was kind of weird. <laughs> it was just you and Joe. I, I didn't get the invite. <laughs> just... Listen to Joe talk about world domination over <laughs> over some uh, 
Tuna tartar. What do, you, what do you? Yeah, I was gonna say. What do you think he drinks? What do you think his his drink of choice is? Like gin and tonic. Yeah. Just live human blood. <laughs> I don't know. Joe up seems like he's someone that doesn't drink. I don't drink. I don't need alcohol. I function off life and Adderall. Um, but uh, where were we? What were we talking about? The Lakers are projected to win fifty games and technically. Fifth in the West. So the Clippers, the Jazz, the Rockets, and Denver are projected to have a better record. And it wouldn't surprise me if the Lakers were, you know, fifth record-wise. How is this not bet up by Laker fans to like 2052-53? I'm surprised. Or maybe it's already been bet up. Um, but to answer your question, nobody beats the, the love of the fame trifecta, LeBron James, Kyle Kuzma, and the entire Laker fan base. Although Anthony Davis has been getting pretty uh, pretty love of the fame every, ever since he had decided to become LeBron's son. Um, what a weirdo. Huh? I'm the CEO of my own corporation. What a like, fucking dude, weirdo. Be the, be the CEO of making the second round two years in a row. <laughs> uh, like somewhere along the lines, Anthony Davis got brainwashed and, by, by Clutch and LeBron. And now he's just like tagging along to LeBron. Like he doesn't have his own thoughts. He like doesn't talk. Uh, he has like no marketing ability, and so he's just kind of like a lapdog, like LeBron's lackey, uh, and forced his way to LA. And it's, uh, you know, it's sad to see. I hope they're good. Fifty wins is kind of high, though, isn't it? Remember when when AD said, you know, he want he loved playing at Oracle and he liked the Warriors uniforms the best, and we all thought yeah. he was going to be a warrior. <laughs> he was all innocent, and then they started yeah. running with the. Uh, he's like the quintessential kid who started running with the wrong crowd. <laughs> Just, just you know, sad to see. Yeah, you hate to see it. Um, this is a really good top two players. Like LeBron and AD are better than Paul George and Kawhi, in my opinion. I don't know if you disagree. Um, the I do not think they're that much better, though. Um, okay, they're well in 2019-20. I'm not sure LeBron is significantly better than Kawhi. Um, AD is better than Paul George, but I think a high-level two-way wing like Paul George is harder to find than like a an above, and than a center. I don't know. I think let me put it this way: I think it's easier to build a team around two high-level wings than it is around AD and LeBron. Well, the Lakers also fucked up building around AD and LeBron. Oh, that's so. that's the other part. So yeah. if you tell me you can build a smart roster around AD and LeBron at the four and five, I think it's nearly impossible to beat. Yeah, yeah. And they screwed it up entirely, even if DeMarcus Cousins yeah, was healthy. Because you got AD's very vocal about not wanting to play the five. He's going to end up playing some, but like, I just don't like hearing my two best players not wanting to play the positions they're best at. <laughs> And yeah, forcing you to make all now. these roster concessions, like signing Dwight Howard, who, you know, eighth time is going to be the charm for him. Well, he changed his hair, so it's serious now. And now and now he, um, let's see, he did an interview where he said he wants to be like Draymond Green, but he said he didn't understand why Draymond was good before, but now he gets it, which, like, is kind of weird to me in its own. It's like, so you didn't understand why this guy was useful. Until this summer, and then um, the second thing is he um, he's he wants to be like Thanos, who who's willing to do things that are unpopular 
that he thinks are good. I'm like, I don't know. If that's the message I take from the movie. Yeah, is that is that what uh, is that what he was going for? Uh, let me guess, Sam. Lakers fans eat that up. That they uh, that they no, say, hey, I, if he gives us ten I, good actually, minutes, we'll be Dwight's, fine. Dwight's a um, Dwight's a line of demarcation. Like the, <laughs> the Laker yeah. fans, I I respect. Just that was too un- far. Unwilling to like they they're unwilling to they they're they're keeping their mouth shut so they don't have to um criticize their favorite team. Which I Got get it. because if like the Warriors sign someone I just loathed, but you know, there there's potential to help the team. I just kinda roll my eyes all the time. Uh and then there's the second half, which is the uh LeBron transplant fans. <laughs> who are talking him up just so they can blame him when it doesn't work. Oh, man. It just... <sighs> All right, let's get into it. So, But the, the issues with the roster is they have disgusting guard play. Rondo, do you know how hard it is to have a negative plus minus next to LeBron? Rondo did that last year. Like, just think about that. He, he, we can we can argue about like LeBron style not maximizing guys, but like it's very hard for it to be outright below average, and he found a way to do it. <laughs> I mean, look at the other options, man. Quinn Cook, I think another guy that Steph made look a lot better than he is. Um, it's not that Quinn's bad, but like the Warriors never wanted to play Quinn Cook in a meaningful game, and he played. And he had to and play because they had a bunch of. But you know what I'm saying? If injuries never happened, it'd be Steph and then Livingston. Nope. nope. Yep. 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 And then you'd get to Quinn. Um, like they, he wouldn't be in the rotation. Yep. Um. Alex Kentavious. Kent. Yeah. Alex Caruso. I mean, I need to see it first. Like, sure. Um. Kentavious. See some hair. Kentavious Caldwell Pope. Like, come on. <laughs> Yeah, what are we doing? What are we doing here, guys? And then, oh, we what didn't are... even talk about you know your guy Kuz. Yeah, Kuzma. I was gonna say I was gonna wait to the end there. Kuzma's playing the three. Kuzma's playing the three. AD's playing the four. LeBron's playing the one, and Javale McGee's playing the five. Is this a goddamn joke? You have everybody in the wrong position. <laughs> you have a team that doesn't play any defense. Who on this team plays defense? Danny Green. I'll give you Danny Green. Danny Green will definitely injure guys. Um, That's it, it? Yeah. This is a miserably uh, – Avery Bradley. Okay, fine. And Avery Bradley hasn't been good in years. This is a miserably constructed team. Uh, I don't even – I actually – Bradley been. might be one of their better under-the-radar signings if he if he's even 70% of what he was yeah, a couple He years might ago. be washed. Yeah, he, he might, might be. be washed. Yeah. It's a worth like, it. Let's put it this way. If the Warriors signed Bradley, I'd have been happy with it as a flyer. But um, but he is a flyer. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Better than, than – well, they got Alec Burks. So. And the Warriors are looking for offense. I, I don't like the way they built the team, but there you go. We'll talk about them next. Um, Actually, let, we'll save the Warriors preview for next week. But we'll mm. just say they're – you know, Vegas has them at 48 and a half wins in the sixth seed. And I think the six seed's about right, considering Clay is missing all that time. Like if Clay was playing, even with the the whole roster turnover, I'd feel pretty confident it's a fifty one team. But without Clay, it's gonna be a little gross for a while. Like it's gonna be just a lot of questions. 
Uh, it'll be fun. Yeah, we'll, we'll save for next week. We'll save for next week. Uh, Lakers love the fame all-star. I mean, come on. Let's move to the Kings. We know. We know how this works. Love of the fame goat. Yeah. Nobody beats this guy. Love of the fame. Yeah, he is. He is the reason why you came up with love of the fame, love of the game. So, shouts to, shouts to the king. Shouts to the king. Um, now moving on to the Sacramento Kings. Your <laughs> Sacramento Kings. Oh, that was nice. I didn't notice that. Well done. <laughs> Every week we're getting better at it. 38 and a half wins, 10th in the West. I was a little surprised that Vegas had Dallas above them. I mean, I we talked about it earlier. I would not be surprised if Doncic took the year three or year four step that most guys take in year two because I think he's that talented. God. I'm not going to bank on it. But, like, even if he does, the rest of that Dallas roster is gross that I don't see a path for them to be better than the Sacramento Kings next year unless uh, the Kings, you know, injuries or health, right? Yeah, I, I don't like uh, – I don't Kings, like – You didn't like the Kings summer? I didn't like it. I don't think you liked it either. We didn't talk about it, but I think they've maxed themselves. So what's the over-under? What is it, 38 and a half? I think like they won 39 last year, so basically Vegas is saying they're going to win the same this year. I think they do. I think they do unless the De'Aaron Fox and or Marvin Bagley make the leap, and I think they're too young yet to make the leap. So they signed a bunch of veterans that I think like was going to keep them afloat. So like whatever regression that they have from last year, like I think they'll be okay there. I- Trevor Reza solid, right? Those guys are okay. I think the vets. They, so, so my thing on them is that the vets they signed are a triple down on the core. It's like the Warriors signing Livingston. Yeah, you know, I'm not saying they're as good, but like those those signings only make sense exactly if you got your three guys. If if De'Aaron's if, your guy, if if Bagley is that guy, if who's the third? Buddy Heald. Buddy's pretty damn good. Yeah. Yes. 26. Um, he is kind of who he is, but he is good. I mean, there are, there are three players in NBA who shot over 40% on three and um, scored over 20 points a game, and two of them play for the Warriors. I'll, so, Buddy's a third. So, just to put it in perspective, like, he's a legit – he's not as good as Clay, but, like, same kind of concept. You put him in that role. There aren't a lot of guys who can put up that volume on that many shots. Um, at that efficient rate, but but you're right. Like none of like if if he's your best player, you're, you know your your ceiling is an eight seed. Um, my thing is, I do think Fox will get better. I think he continue. He was really good last year. He was their best player last year, and I don't see why he wouldn't get better. The real question is, um, do Bagley or potentially Giles like take a step, or are they still those young big guys who have like? Well, one in five games, you're like, wow, that guy's that guy's got some time. Right? It has to be, I think Bagley's too young, right? I think it has to be De'Aaron in year three. I don't know why De'Aaron didn't play Team USA. They obviously needed him. He didn't uh, play because Pop decided to play Derek White more minutes than him, even though Fox is playing better than him. Even though Fox is ten times the player that he is, or yeah. ever will be. Um, yeah, we, we won't talk about that, but Pop might have fucked up the... Uh, uh, anyway, um, yeah, it's, I think it's on De'Aaron Fox. I think this. I don't, I don't. I think they barely get over this number if they get over it at all. But yeah, he has to be a superstar. He has to be. We talked about Jamal Murray uh, last week. Uh, De'Aaron Fox has to 
he has that type of potential. Not different type of player, but he has that type of potential where he could be a superstar. Um, and yeah, if he takes that leap. What I was saying shoot. is also Bagley has to take a step. Like, because it, it, right, it's right, right. my thing with the Kings is I do think Fox is going to be a perennial all star and he'll probably be a superstar. Whether he's a, you know. Sheesh. What? Well, no. Whether he's a lower tier, like Kemba level, like all star type point guard or like. The guy who makes like eight, nine in a row, like Steph, Russ, those guys. We'll see, right? Um, but Bagley is going to be the guy who determines whether it's just like Fox dragging him every year to the eight seed or like they got something that can go deep in the playoffs in a couple of years. That's fair. That's fair. Love of the fame, I, love of the fame all star for the Kings? I don't have a love of the fame. You know who it is? You know who it is. You know who it is. Vivek? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's Vivek, man. Although, you know, Vivek's been pretty quiet the last couple of years. Haven't heard much heard much about four on five. Yeah. Um I think he's kind of figured it out. He he did get a new stadium built, so kudos to him for that. Even though I heard it's a really good stadium. Two years. Have you been? Uh no. Um and then <laughs> um what I was gonna say is uh, yeah, no, the young guys are still just like way too likable. None of them are displaying clutch tendencies yet. So, um, <laughs> clutch tendencies. So you know, it's too early to uh, you know. I'm sure in a year, one of the players will will start doing some stuff. for like, it'll be know, Bagley. I don't know about that guy. I don't know about that it'll guy. It'll be Bagley. It'll be Bagley. Yeah, the second Bagley's dad, by the way, is an underrated Instagram follow. Just telling you, he's he's what people think. He's what people who um, speak well about LeVar Ball and think LeVar Ball is, is. Because he's, he's very involved, and, and some of the Instagram posts are pretty 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 damn funny. <laughs> Do we have to go to the next team? Well, we can just skip to who their love of the... Oh, actually, there was a headline today that let me know that nothing's changing in, in Phoenix. <laughs> So, so Phoenix is 14th in the West with 29 and a half wins. Um, Grizzlies are the only team that are worse. And like, it's very clear the Grizzlies are, um, they're just going to let Jaron Jackson and John Morant do whatever they want until, you know, they figure it out, which probably is the right strategy for Memphis. Right. But the Phoenix Suns, um, Talking about playing DeAndre Ayton, who I'm not a huge fan of at the power forward. <laughs> and their supposed superstar player doesn't like getting double teams. I mean, no one likes getting double teamed, let's be real. <laughs> but, you know, he was very vocal about not, you know, hey, hey, camera's rolling. I'm doing this for IG. No doubles. <laughs> this team is pathetic. Um, this franchise terrible, terrible culture. Like he, here, the difference between the Kings and the Suns is De'Aaron Fox has kind of winning intangibles. Like yeah, whether yeah. the Kings end up a mid-level playoff team and that's their ceiling in two years or more, it's very clear they have players who are um, dedicated to winning. And the Suns are led by a, you know a dude who's screaming on screaming about doubles. <laughs> I mean, even Harrison Barnes, man, like that's a good guy for for team culture. He's not, and chemistry. He's not gonna he's not gonna cheat on you. He his dribbling is not good, but I mean, his <laughs> his work ethic's not a 
Like he he tries. No, he has great work ethic. He 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 works hard. He does all the right things. He just he's not you know he's not a superstar, but he does all the right things. And you're right, De'Aaron Fox. He he. I, I don't know much about him, but from what I've watched him and from what I've read about him and from what you've said, he does seem like someone that's going to be the leader of that team one day when they become a playoff team, if and when that happens. I don't see that from Devin Booker. I don't know about DeAndre Aiden. I don't know him, um, but he's young, and all young players like this is what I was talking about a couple of weeks ago. Look at Car Anthony. With Towns, Anthony you, yeah, I was yeah. going to say with Towns. Yeah, so Aiden might be like Towns. You put him in a shitty situation, and he's not the he's not a leader. You know, he's he's not born to be a leader. That's not good, man. Like, and now you're playing him at the four. DeAndre Aiden is the literal epiphany, uh, not epiphany, the epitome of a five. Is that not like, Anthony Davis? I guess you could argue that he could play the four. Like, okay, fine, but DeAndre Ayton, like, in what world? <laughs> that guy is built like a tree trunk. He's massive. He has good hands. Uh, he he is he's a rim runner, right? Uh, he's but he long. wants to be he's, a shooter and a ball handler. Oh my god! I didn't read the article. Did did it say that he wanted to be a four or something? Because if it did, that's even worse. No, they're but, just talking about like getting him like leading the break. And like expanding, like they were mad at um, the coach last year who didn't want him to shoot from outside. Like Igor was saying, like we want to bring him along slowly, focus on like mastering some fundamental stuff inside before we work on letting him shoot a bunch of threes. I'm okay with that. I think that sounds about right. Yeah, and they're like, nope. We need him chucking up shots when he has no clue how to recognize any sort of defensive coverage. Yeah, or or know how to play basketball, really, at the professional level. So, I mean, this team looks like a mess, man. I don't know what the over-under is. I don't know what you said, but I'll go under. But they got Ricky uh, Rubio. I love Rubio, by the way. Yeah. I have a soft spot for Ricky Rubio. I, I know. I don't know why. I just I have a soft spot for Ricky Rubio. Just, does, this, does this go back to your headband days? There was like, you, you, went, you went through a phase where you, you'd always wear a little headband when you hooped. Yeah, I, by the way, I still do. Uh, floor <laughs> headband is the, is the way to go. Um, so thanks for bringing that up. Um, love of the fa- yeah, I mean we know we know who's love of the fame. This this division who, series. Who isn't on this? Who isn't love of the fame on this team? <laughs> Let me pull up the roster. Steve Nash. We gotta go back that far. No. <laughs> Steve Nash. Steve Nash was a little love of the fame. Yeah, a little, uh-huh. little love of the fame vibe to him. He's love of the fame. He's love of the fame right now. The fact that he's a part-time consultant to Warriors and only comes over like once a year, <laughs> love of the fame. <laughs> um, who do they have? They they have Jamal Crawford. That's not right. Oh my God, Kelly Oubre. That is love of the fame. Oh my goodness. By the way, I saw in person Kelly Oubre go crazy and punch his own guy in the back of the head. I think it was John oh, Wall. The, the um. The Beal Draymond fight? Yeah. Total moron. Um, anyway. Uh, okay. Are we good? Are we, we are out of here? We're, we're out of here. <laughs> All right. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around, a watch she can wear every day for movement. 
Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried and true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style, all for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.